show number 144 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. And we're back with part two of our interview with the lovely and talented Mike Hall, host of the Skeptics with a K podcast. In this part of it, we talk more about Star Trek. We talk about Shatner and all of the wonderful things about him. And we also get to hear about Mike's script that he wrote for Voyager, which is very interesting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. But you did get that that sense of wonder and, and, and exploration and things that you you've got in the original Trek, and you kind of get in Enterprise as well because the, it's it's the seek out new worlds thing. You didn't really get that in the other new Trek stuff um, because it was like, well, we're kicking about a universe we know really very well, actually, um, uh, rather than the, the the sort of sense of exploration and war and discovery and like you know this is a new life form we've never met before. This is brilliant, and you 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 got that in uh, in in the the old Star Trek that you really lost that in the kind of the next generation yeah. um, and right. and Deep Space Nine. They were more like in a patrol car almost, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Picard was a social worker, you know. Yes. he really was, and and that was fine for what they were trying to do to it. But he never got excited about anything, right? Right. He was never filled with that sense of wonder for all the new things that they were encountering. Well, and and think about you know in our own lifetimes, not in in fiction, but you know the the space program and I'm thinking specifically of the the picture they sent back of the rising earth Mm. and this whole thing is based on science that's how they got there and they saw this wonderful beautiful thing that no one had ever seen in that way before and even now there's only a limited number of people who have actually seen that but that incredible photograph only came about because of all the, the, the years of work and science, to see this wonderful view of our own world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's, you know, to people who, who think, oh, you know, science is, is just boring. Science is a way of getting at the, the wonder and beauty of everything around us mm-hmm. and understanding it and seeing it for the first time. Mm. And and science fiction plays a a, a a a strong role in getting people interested in science. I'm sure if you go down to yep. NASA and say hands up everyone who watched Star Trek, half the room would put their hands up if, if not half. if not all, more. All, you know, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. That's great. Um, Nichelle, uh, who we just saw downstairs, was just talking about the work that she's done with NASA um, back in the day when they were looking for astronauts who weren't um, white males. And Mm. she did a tremendous job recruiting people of color and and women and just everyone to come and did a lot to integrate um, the astronaut corps. And she's still doing that now. How old is she? She's about as old as Bill, right? A little bit younger. Yeah, I think she's just a little bit younger, but she's in her 70s. She's in her 70s, and she's still doing this kind of thing. She just set up a new foundation to encourage this interplay of science and entertainment, that art yeah. can be part of science, and, and still working with the people at NASA to do this. It's a, a huge that, thing. That... Sorry, go on. 
I was going to say, it, it's a, an amazing thing that she continues to do, and it was all sparked by Star Trek, by a TV show. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a brilliant thing that the original series did, was they, they had a black character as a main bridge officer, a regular mm-hmm. character, and it was totally normal. Yeah. They just treated it as totally, totally, totally normal. It was, I, I, I don't remember, I think it was Gene Roddenberry had said about uh, the, the phasers. He didn't want to go into the huge technical explanation of how a phaser works. You just pick it up and use it because it's a normal thing for them. They just do it normally and they, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the same way as, you know, you someone picks up a gun and fires it. They don't say, well, you know, how does the revolt... They, they, no, they just mm-hmm. pick up a gun and fire it. It's a normal thing to do. Uh, and... Um, Uhura being a bridge officer and a senior officer and she's involved and she's there on the bridge and no one's going, you know, why do we have, you know, it, it's just totally, treated totally normally and it's so fantastic. Yeah. Right, and, and also the, the distinction is, yes, she was a female bridge officer and the communications officer, but she was not the waitress. When somebody was bringing Kirk his coffee, it was a yeoman, which was mm. a, a, a separate... Mm-hmm. separate thing you know she she had a job to do and and she was <clears throat> cross-trained because we saw her you know take over navigation in oh, an episode and, i love it when she takes over navigation yeah and it's she so just awesome. you know sits down and starts doing this and it's not a question of kirk looks around and goes who can do this oh god the only one here is that woman it's just you know she just gets over she gets she over there and does it does she knows it, what yeah. has to be done and that's normal behavior for a, a, a well-trained bridge officer yep yeah, and they make they make a, a bigger thing of that in the the Abrams movie as well, where uh, the uh, Ahura's character in that is she's not just picking the phone up, mm-hmm. which she kind of becomes towards certainly towards the end of the show. She's more. I mean, I think season three there's episodes where she just isn't even there. Yeah. yeah. Um, where they they kind of lost it a little bit in season three. Um, but uh, in in the the J.J. Abrams movie, it's like she's a communications expert and she knows all these languages and she's you know she and that's why she's there being being you know being mm-hmm. the the bridge officer and make a huge thing of actually you have to be damn smart to answer the phone yes. um, mm-hmm. on the Enterprise because you don't know who you're answering the phone to you well, know and they it's also you're you're out in space so it's it's not a question of you know a landline or something you have to be able to manipulate the technology to overcome whatever distance whatever spatial anomalies are going on you know to be able to actually get through and send out the messages that need to be sent and receive the messages mm-hmm. and ungarble them at your end if necessary so yeah it's not just pick up the phone and go hello can you yeah hear me so now? it's it's so much more than just, you know, having the, the token black person, the token woman on the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, they actually gave her a, a, a role that was important. Um, and the role was doubly important because in real life, you know, people would be sitting at home saying, well, you know, I'm a woman, so I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, and they, they go out and do that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm you know, uh, 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 I'm African-American. I can go out and do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's an, that it's presented as normal on the show, and so people at, at home saying, well, it's obviously a normal thing to do. Yeah. And that's the big stride, is getting to the point where it's no big deal that you have yeah. a black person doing this, or a woman doing it, or an Asian, or or whoever, that, that these physical distinctions, finally, uh, we've recognized that they have nothing to do with ability, and we know it to the point where it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. It just okay. I mean, it, this it, person's there doing their job. Great, good, glad. Let's move on. This was an interesting cultural difference for me. Um, in um, uh, series one of the, uh, the 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 recent Doctor Who, the um, the, the the Christopher Eccleston series Doctor Who, there's a, a character called Mickey, um, who's Rose's boyfriend, um, and he, uh, played by an actor called Noel Clark, and he's he's a black guy. 
And there's an uh, an episode. He wasn't written as a black guy, the way he was just cast as a black guy, um, which which I really like as well. Um, but there's an episode where Rose and Mickey are having an argument in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and the Doctor says, "Can you leave the domestics outside, please?" And when that episode aired in the states, there was complaints that the Doctor was being racist, referring to Mickey as the domestic. Oh my Get god! Get out of here! That's bullshit. We're obviously they meant domestic dispute, you know, yeah, a boyfriend and yeah. girlfriend arguing. But there yeah. were complaints when that episode aired, and that just oh. didn't even occur to anybody in England at all. We well, just it didn't said, occur well, to me obviously. either until you told us what the complaint was, but... and I went, huh? "Oh, geez, <laughs> people are stupid. I hate people, and I hate people who are working so hard at being stupid. Oh. I mean, you kind of had a stretch to be that stupid. <laughs> That's ridiculous." <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of, of black people in Star Trek, what did you think about Tuvok? Um, I got really hung up on it's like you were in Star Trek Six, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then they did that episode where like they, they should kind of make out it was Tuvok in Star Trek yeah, Six, yeah. and it's like you didn't have the ears in Star Trek Six. <laughs> and I get really hung up on things like that. It, that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> So did you think that the, the two competing theories that on Vulcan they have people who are naturally darker skinned or did they just cast a black actor as a Vulcan and we're not supposed to really notice? Um, well, I think one leads from the other. I suspect Tim Russ was given the job because he was the best actor for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, he, he'd worked on Star Trek several times. You think he did an Next Generation, didn't he, where he, yeah, yeah. he mm-hmm. played a terrorist? Yeah. Um, and, of course, he'd done Star Trek Six as well. And so they'd been working with this guy for a while, and they gave him a regular role, I think. That's fine. I don't think that was anything to do with the color of his skin. It was everything to do with his ability as an actor. But the consequence of that is, therefore, we have to accept that there are black people on Vulcan as well, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, again, is treated normal and is no big deal, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I really loved the episode where um, I don't remember what was happening in the plot, but we got to see Tuvok's wife. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. She was beautiful. Oh, good. Yeah, I love that. Although she she was black, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Mm-hmm. Which is, is is an interesting thing you see, um, particularly I've noticed in an uh, American movies, is black characters are always dating black characters. Yeah. You get very few interracial relationships, mm-hmm. um, which is not so much of a taboo in the UK. We didn't, we, you know, we don't care about that. And so when you see, um, you know, you you've got a buddy movie and there's three guys and one of them is black and they meet three girls and one of them is black and it's like, oh, he's gonna get together with a black one, isn't he? Oh, it's so predictable. Why are you doing that? Why why can't he be attracted to the redhead? Why why does yeah. he have to be attracted to the black one? Well, and the thing is, that's that's the the media dragging behind culture, I think, because here in real life, interracial relationships, yes, in in pockets of the more backwards part of our country, that would still be common, but. You know, I see interracial couples all the time, and it's 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 no big deal. And I see them of various ages, so it's mm-hmm. not just the young people. Mm-hmm. And it's just you know, TV is is catering to the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. which is the people who say, "Well, you know, that's just wrong." And, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the, the 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 you know the definitive Star Trek example of the interracial relationship was Plato's stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, with with Kirk and Uhura um, uh, 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 doing the, the the first interracial screen kiss, um, which I think is I think that's the case. I think it was the first interracial screen case uh, screen kiss on, on on American TV. It was yes, right, yeah, yeah it's um, a huge deal. And, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Did it many times over. I'm yes, sure he yes, did. Many times, yeah. <laughs> yes, because he was so dedicated to race relations. That's right. <laughs> 
speaking of Bill, let's <laughs> let's do a couple of Bill questions. Um, okay. So outside of Star Trek, you've seen Bill in other things. What's your favorite thing that he's been in that's not Star Trek? And it can be a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, blimey. Um, it's uh, outside of Star Trek. It's his music career that I follow. Actually, I love his uh, music career. Yeah, I love I love his music career, and it's his mu- it, his most recent album kind of made me reevaluate Bill as a person because it where his his seventies stuff. It was like, uh, surely you know that you're just coming across as a total idiot here. Um, what what you know? What are you doing? That you you really aren't coming over well on this. But then his most recent um album it was kind of like uh, it, it sort of dawned on me that the bill's actually a lot more self-aware than i'd given him credit for and he knew exactly what he was doing he knew full well exactly what he was doing the whole time mm-hmm. and and yes you're absolutely right and that's one of the most wonderful aspects of the album and it kind of gives me a, a little pause a little bit of worry about his his upcoming album which is um Heavy metal. A heavy metal, and it's called a Searching for Major Tom, and it's all sort of like songs that have references to space or science fiction. And I think part of why Has Been was so wonderful was because it was a very personal album. It was about him. It was about him, and he was working with a producer, who Ben Folds, who obviously mm. understood that and wanted to go there. Whereas this is more just Bill doing, you know, covers of songs that I don't know if they are songs that have any level of meaning to him other than this would be cool to record. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a little worried about that because Has Been was just such a yeah. I think I think Common People was the it was the only cover on Has Been was Common People. Um, I, I think everything else was original and, and often written by Bill. Yeah, it, that he uh, had, for he the had most input part, yeah. into, and like um, the song "I'm Real" was written by Brad Paisley for Bill mm-hmm. about Bill's life as this. Real was figure. brilliant. I, I I loved Real. I loved um, Has Been, and I loved um, I Can't Get Behind That. I particularly love those oh. as well. And I also adore Ideal Woman. Ideal Woman really makes me laugh, actually. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I really, really enjoy her. Uh, a, a twinkle of humor to it, and, I, and that's very much, I think, a part of Bill. And and it's it, it's a part, to me, of real romance is, yes, you love this person, but, God, you wish they wouldn't do that, mm-hmm. you know. it's And he does it with humor and with love, and it's so beautiful. The other thing I really love that Bill did was um, the, 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 the Star Wars gala anniversary thing. <laughs> <laughs> he showed up on stage. We're here to celebrate fifty uh, years of uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Sorry, it, Wars. Uh, okay. and by, but by the end of it, he's in a line of stormtroopers dancing, yes. um, and George Lucas really doesn't look happy about it. <laughs> yeah. He's sitting in the audience and he's looking a bit. <laughs> uh, but I, re- I really enjoyed that. Again, that was that was one of the the, the other things that made me think. Actually, this guy this this guy's brilliant because I, I remember reading um, I Am Spock, um, and the stories about what Bill was like on set and thinking this guy's an ass. Mm-hmm. This I really don't like this guy. This guy's really important. And for years afterwards, I, w- I would think I, I would say to people, you know, Bill wasn't so keen on it. Um, but he's uh, it, it, I've really reevaluated Bill in like maybe the last five years. Um, with things like, um, actually, it was has been. Has been was the real turning point that made me kind of think. Actually, I I think I really like this guy. I think he's 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 uh, he's a smart guy. He's a funny guy. 
Um, he, he knows exactly what he's doing, where his place is in, in, in our culture, and exploits that to the best of his ability. And, has fun and with it. he really does. He, that, that really comes across is that he, has, that he has fun with it. And people, you know, say to me, oh, the, the, the get a life sketch and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, I don't think that takes away from anything that, uh, from anything that, that, that Bill's doing. Um, I, I really, I, I actually really like Bill as a person. Yeah. Yes. And, and one of the other reasons we just love him so much is that throughout all the things that he does, all these amazing, crazy things, he is a consummate professional mm-hmm. at every turn. He is always shilling for the things that he's supposed to be shilling for. <laughs> he's always turning up at places where he's supposed to be selling something or making a public appearance. You can count on him to do mm-hmm. the thing that he is supposed to do as an actor or as a representative. It's amazing that he's so committed to everything that he does. Well, and I think that's that's a huge part of he has respect for his job mm-hmm. and his craft. And part of that is showing up for these things and doing your best and and you know, not not saying, "Okay, yeah, to be honest, this was a, a load of crap." You know, I mean, Kingdom of Spiders is a load of crap, but I remember seeing him on the talk shows, you know, pushing that. This is, you know, the big new movie. It's very scary. It's very exciting, you know, and, and just doing what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think you see that in many actors these days. Well, a lot of the big ones have it written right in their contracts that they won't do promo work. Yeah. That's a shame. I know. Bill's so good. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bill has... I mean, he has enjoyed all the perks he's gotten as an actor, but I think he has no illusions about it actually being a glamorous profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah, I think that's right. Um, Mike, have you seen Free Enterprise? I haven't seen Free Enterprise, no. Ooh. You have to see Free Enterprise. Yes, You're yes. really going to like it. It's really um, good. Actually, hang on a sec. No, I think I have seen Free Enterprise. That's the one with Star Trek fans, and they... And they, they, yeah. they they kind of meet Bill and yeah. 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 No, I have seen that. I've seen, I saw it years ago, but yes, I have seen it. You're right. You should, now that you've reevaluated Bill, you should watch it again. Yeah. I should I think, watch it again. Yeah. Cause I think at the time I was a bit uh, about Bill. So yeah. I, I definitely should watch that again. I think that that really counts as, um, a level of self-awareness mm-hmm. and his willingness to play on his own public persona. That's the thing is, you know, people talk about this now when you when you see Bill and when he's interviewed, that they're they're never really sure they're actually interviewing William Shatner, that they're interviewing this character he plays called William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in Free Enterprise, that's much more overt yeah. and that he knows he is playing a character called William Shatner, that he is not playing himself. No, it's not himself. It's an acting job. It's an acting job. And it's so good. Yes. <laughs> Plus, it's a good movie. It is. It's, it's a really good fun. movie. It's so When much one fun. of the main characters does the risk is our business speech, yes. it is just note perfect. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. I yep. remember when we saw it and we were just falling out of our chairs laughing. Yep. It was so good. The other thing that Bill did outside of Star Trek that I really uh, enjoyed was um, his uh, two Columbo episodes. Oh, okay. I think we saw only one of those. Late one night, at a yeah, at, the one where he's like a, a, a talk show host a, or something, has a mustache and a mustache, a mustache. bad mustache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he he did one in the seventies and he did one in the nineties, um, and in the seventies he plays an actor, yes. um, who's uh, d- who plays a detective, um, uh, and is obviously the murderer, um, because that, when you get someone like Bill in in Colombo, of course he's going to be the murderer. 
Um, and he did another one in the 90s, which um, I, I, I've only seen the one, so I don't remember very much about it. We're going to have to look that up. Yeah, yeah. But I love the 70s one. Yeah, yeah. Remember. Yeah, but I, 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 I love Columbo as a show. Columbo is a really good show. And so then every so often you get like Bill turns up and I think Leonard did an episode of, uh, of, of Columbo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's, it's, it, it's like a privilege to be asked to come in and do an episode of Columbo. So they all show up, yeah, you know, yeah. with, their, with their boots blacked happy, go, hey, I'm, I'm the murder in Columbo this week. I'm really well, pleased. Columbo was a huge hit. Oh, it was on forever. Yes. Oh, many, many years. Yeah. Um, it was. It, it's quite tragic. Really. They're not, they're not going to be doing any more um, Columbo's. There was a, uh, a, a, a script knocking around a few years ago to do a, a final Columbo called Columbo's Last Case, and everyone was happy with it, but NBC wouldn't buy it because they said no one's interested in a TV show with an octogenarian lead. Wow. Um, and now um, Peter Falk has, uh, has descended into Alzheimer's uh, yeah. and you know, really doesn't uh, doesn't know up from down anymore. So it's it's really that's 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 the last we're going to see of Columbo. That's right. And and you know the other Star Trek connection to Columbo, right? The the Mrs. Columbo series. Yes. Oh you yes. No, I I have managed to completely avoid the Mrs. Columbo series. I know of it. I I, I know who was playing Mrs. Columbo, uh, <laughs> but I've managed to totally avoid watching it. Yeah, um, I've the, watched one. It wasn't good. But the the, th- the thing about that that really wound me up is I think Kate Mulgrew, when she was playing Mrs. Columbo, she was about 24 years old. Yes. Um, which means in the first episode of Columbo, when, when he's going, oh, my wife, sir, she thinks it, it, that she was 11. Yes. His wife was 11 years old. And that has always <laughs> bothered me, the, the total age inappropriateness um, of women to male leads. You know, if the guy gets to be in his 40s or 50s, his wife is still going to be under 30. And yeah, that does happen occasionally, but not to Columbo. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but they kind of they kind of de- decoupled those two shows um, as, as they went along. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the, you know, she changed her name from Kate Columbo to Kate Callahan, and they changed the name of the show from Mrs. Columbo to Kate Loves a Mystery, and to try and sort of say, well, it, it, oh, it, she was married to a... That. She was married to a different cop called Columbo. It wasn't quite the same thing. And I know Peter Falk wanted to put a line in Columbo saying, some lady's running around saying she's my wife and she's not my wife. I don't know who this lady is coming around and telling me all this. And, but he never got to put the line in, but he wanted to put that line in about how some, some lady was impersonating his wife. I love Peter Falk. That's so funny. Okay, later today at the con, uh, so we're going to go see Leonard in about an hour and a half, I think. And okay. then after that... They're having um, a pitch. So you get to get up in front of the audience and pitch your idea for the next Star Trek movie. Do you have an idea that you'd like us to pitch? Maybe it's your old script for Voyager. Oh, dear. My, my, my old Voyager script was, uh, it, it was uh, about, uh, um, uh, there was a transporter malfunction. Uh-huh. That happened. The, transport, the transporters broke down. Um, and um, uh, Balana said to Seven of Nine was injured in the transporter accident, which means she was an unconscious in sickbay for the duration of the episode because I hadn't seen any episodes with her in. So I had no idea how to write the character, so I just wrote her out in scene one. I said, right, I can forget about her now. Good thinking. Um, <laughs> so she's injured in the transporter malfunction. And um, so uh, Balana says, it, you know, we, we can't repair the transporter. It's one of the seven components on the ship that we can't replicate. Um, we, we, you know, we've lost the transporters. That's it. The transporters are dead. Um, but there is a, a, a mineral called PJX18 that, um, 
it, it's very rare on Earth, but it was quite common on a planet we passed about two days ago. We could go and get that. That mineral will do the same job as this component that we can't replicate, so we can go and get that. So they go off to this planet, and they go down in a shuttle, and um, uh, Tom Paris is is out uh, mining this ore with a little mining machine that basically you, know, you stick an object against the wall, and it goes, and suddenly it's full of ore um, being, being started, like it's kind of transports the ore out. Um, and he goes back into the shuttle, and as the shuttle's taking off, he's attacked by a vampire. A vampire? A vampire. It, it, the, wait a minute, the vampire is in the shuttle with him? Uh, yeah. So while he's been out mining, the, the vampire has sneaked into the shuttle. He didn't lock it? Uh, <laughs> they, never locked it. they left it wide open, always. <laughs> always, because Star Trek security is so good. Yes. <laughs> It's an uninhabited planet. Why would you bother? Um, why would you bother locking it? It's an uninhabited planet because vampires don't show up as life signs on sensors because they're dead. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Keep going. You see. Yeah. And so Tom Harris becomes a vampire because he's been bitten by a vampire. In the meantime, there's another vampire running around on Voyager, killing people. It doesn't show up on sensors, so they don't know how to track this vampire. Um, they eventually figure out a way to track it by it has to force the doors open because the doors don't open automatically for it. So they track the doors being forced open and extrapolate where the vampire's going. And they manage to kill this vampire. Um, uh, Tom Paris is slowly becoming a vampire. He's starting to get bloodlust. He's starting, you know, he wants, wants to eat things. The doctor's trying to synthesize blood plasma for him to say, you know, well, try drinking this. And he's going, it's not the same. It doesn't taste right. He's trying to persuade Harry Kim saying, can you just, just give me half a pint? You know, you won't miss half a pint. Can I just, uh, just, can I just have half a pint? And so he's getting increasingly caught up in this kind of, in, in becoming a vampire. Um, the vampirism, the way I'd, I'd written it was like it was a disease. It was like he was rewriting his DNA to, to make him into this kind of, uh, in, in, into this kind of creature, which was an idea I actually got from I Am Legend written by Richard Matheson, who was, of course, writing for the original Star Trek. Um, and then we had, um, they figure out the way to cure the vampire disease is the biofilters and the transporters. Yeah. Uh -huh. But the transporters aren't working, so Chakotay has to go back down to the planet um, to, to, like, get, to mine the ore, finish mining the ore so that they can repair the transporters. Um, uh, Chakotay Chico is caught by the head vampire and tortured extensively for a whole act because my girlfriend at the time thought he was hot and I thought I'm not having that. <laughs> so I had him tortured for an entire episode. Um, uh, for an entire act, rather. Um, back on Voyager, they're trying to... Um, uh, uh, Tom Paris has escaped and he's roaming around the ship and they, they try to catch him by making a hologram. So they put the doctor's mobile emitter on a, on, on a, a hologram uh, as a sort of nice bit of tasty bait um, and ha have her walking down the corridor where they think Tom's going to be. But Tom doesn't fall for it because he said holograms don't have a smell. Um, and he's, now that he's a vampire, he's got a highly developed sense of smell. Um, and so he says, holograms don't have a smell. I'm not going to fall for that. You know, how stupid do you think I am? And, it, and, and he escapes again. So they eventually try to catch him again in the mess hall with live bait. And then just as he's about to sort of kind of chow down, um, Janeway says, didn't you point out that um, uh, holograms don't have a smell? And Tom Paris goes, yeah, what about it? And then the doctor appears behind him and puts a, a pins a communicator on his badge and only the doctor would be able to sneak up on him because the doctor doesn't have a smell. Mm -hmm. um, and the doctor pins a communicator badge on, on him, which allows them to get a transporter lock and he's beamed out and then he's, he's cured of being the vampire disease. Um, in the meantime, Ch Chakotay's managed to escape from the, the evil vampire on the planet um, he's flying up in the shuttle with the 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 the, the 
uh, the stuff, and the vampire is holding on to the like the hood of the shuttle. Um, <laughs> That's like an episode of TJ Hooker. <laughs> as it flies up out of the atmosphere, and the vampire burns to death in the atmosphere, and you get a horrible, gruesome, like kind of melting face vampire thing going on. And I killed so many crew members in that episode as well. Wow. So how did I? I just kept killing. Them. <laughs> how did the vampires on the planet survive if it was uninhabited? Uh, I don't know. I didn't think it through. Um, <laughs> well, the the idea the, the the I think the idea that I was going for was kind of like the 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 vampires um, existed on it, it, they were they were a very old race and the, there were vampire legends on every planet and they were kind of memories of this vampire race that was once a spacefaring race and is now kind of like living on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so Neelix talks about the vampire legends on his planet and the Klingons have their own vampire legends and so on and so forth. The idea was that they were all um, local cultural interpretations of an actual encounter with this race long in the past. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, this is like the vampire retirement planet. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're sort of, they're, they're waning. They're in the, 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 the twilight of their existence as a, as a, as a species. Um, and so they're, they're on this planet in the Delta Quadrant. So I, I mailed this script off because Voyager had an open script submission policy. And I mailed this script off, and um, it came back with, like, sorry, we're not going to proceed with this script, which is kind of what I expected, to be honest. But um, it came back with, we're not going to proceed with this script. Um, and it had, like, red pen all over it where they'd, like, gone through. Um, but they had red pen on only the first five pages of the script. Mm. And none of the rest of the script had any red pen on it. And it was like, you actually haven't read this, have you? You, you, you didn't read this script. And in the first five pages, they'd underlined my spelling errors. Oh. oh. And the spelling errors were all where I'd used English spellings instead of oh. U.S. spellings. And it's like, you could have taken into account that I'm English. Come on. Because they've gone through and gone, that's not how you spell. That's not how you spell. This guy can't write. And, and you know, sent the script back to me. And I like to think if they'd read it, it would have got made and I'd have been writing for Star Trek now and I, I would have been the producer of Enterprise, not that, you know, Brannon fuckface. That's, <laughs> that is that's the way things would have yeah. panned out in my head. Uh, yes, Braga's a stage name because it is they couldn't put fuckface on my No, you, you wouldn't get away with that, you know. <laughs> you don't get away with Janet Jackson and you don't get away with uh, a producer called Brannon fuckface. <laughs> Sorry that happened. Really? Well, maybe we'll we'll pitch some variant of that. Yeah, that'd be good. Vampires are big right now. Oh God, yes. They're probably going to be in the next Trek movie anyway. Yeah. Just because. Well, the other thing that probably didn't count in my favor, it, assuming they did read the rest of the script, is that Buffy was quite big at the time, oh. and I I had I had never seen Buffy. I had no idea that it was big. I was using vampires because I'd recently read I Am Legend and thought, oh, this is a cool book. I'd like to, you know, I'll I'll use that because I Am Legend goes to great lengths, which never comes across in the movie versions. Goes to great lengths to scientifically explain vampires Mm -hmm. uh, as to why they're only, you know, why it's wooden stakes and why not metal stakes, and you know why they're so much more resilient to damage and why it has to be a stake through the heart and why they want blood, and they, they, it goes into a lot of detail about that, and that, that was really a reinvention of the, um, of the vampire thing mm-hmm. um, by, by Matheson, because prior to that, vampires were just supernatural. Mm-hmm. Vampire, it was magic, yeah. and they came in and made them science, and they made them interesting. Um, and so I kind of wanted to bring that into, into Star Trek, because you can do 
you, you could do vampires in Star Trek if they were scientific, if there was a reason for them, if not, not just because you can't just have them coming uh, and, and be magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. Cool. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up, but I did want to tell you one other thing. Um, there is a holiday coming up very soon. We're actually celebrating it today. That's called Shatmoy. Do you know about Shatmoy? No. Go on. Tell me. Well, it's a holiday that we sort of invented um, with right. some other people, and it celebrates the fact that um, William Shatner's birthday and Leonard Nimoy's birthday in real life are about a week apart. No, four days. Four days apart, sorry. And so the week between, or that time between Shatner's birthday and Nimoy's birthday is called the Festival of Shatmoy. And right. uh, people celebrate it. That We know a lot of people who actually have parties and they watch videos. And we did it last year. We had a Shatmoy party with a cake. And uh, we watched a lot of really crazy stuff. So we want you to take this holiday of Shatmoy and start spreading it around so you can get a little traction over there in the UK. You know? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'll do that. I'll I'll do that. And the next skeptics in the pub, I will uh, I, I will ensure that everybody is celebrating Shatmoy. Okay, yeah. and that is March twenty second through twenty sixth, so right. it's coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, and the, the great thing about the holiday is it has no traditions. So whatever you do to celebrate it is totally legitimate mm-hmm. and can can become a tradition. Yeah, we're laying down the traditions now. That's exactly somebody had to have, you know, the the the, the first Christmas dinner. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. We're laying down the traditions now. This for this is for, for, for posterity, for the generations to come. That's right. Yeah. I think our one of our Shatmoy traditions is watching um uh, an interview Bill did on TV several years ago. Uh, there was a, a very bad uh, talk show on the E Entertainment channel that was called Out to Lunch. And it was a a, a kind of ditzy interviewer woman who would take people to restaurants and interview them as they ate their meals. And uh, Bill was on it. And we're going to get it digitized one day so yes. that we can share it with other people. But Bill basically spends the entire interview um, interviewing this woman. He just takes control completely and also flirting outrageously with her to the point where she even she can't continue at one point. She's just looking <laughs> at him sort of open mouth like, I can't believe it. You're You're just like, did you just say that to me? And she actually <laughs> looks in the camera and says, is this going somewhere it shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) and it's just so wonderful to actually see bill in action in action we watched it last year at our Shatmoy party with some of our um the guys who listened to the show and they were just sort of agog watching bill in action doing what he does best flirting and seducing this woman as they're eating and they couldn't get over how amazing he was at doing this yeah and how how smooth how and smooth. natural it was it's amazing and uh so that is the only tradition we really have developed that and cake yeah and cake oh that's fantastic that sounds fantastic um is, is that on youtube or something I, I really want to see that now it's not <laughs> anywhere that we've that we've found we and it just so happened that I knew he was going to be on this idiotic show, and I videotaped it. Thank yeah. God, and we've shown it to a number of people, and we do have to get it digitized so it can go up on YouTube and yeah. and, and people can see this because it's amazing. It's incredible, and and no, it's not anywhere. I've looked for it, mm-hmm. and I've never seen a copy on the torrents or on YouTube. I don't think any of our friends who who deal in, in contraband videos have it. I think mm-hmm. we're like the only ones. I think we are. It's fantastic. So when we get it done, we'll definitely let you have it. It's worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for taking an hour of your time to talk with us. This has been really, really, yes, really fun. Yes, it's been wonderful. That's no problem. So uh, tell everybody else uh, that the Butt Girls send their regards. Have a great Shatmoy when it comes. 
I uh, will, and a, and a happy shot moi to you too. Yeah, and I'll <laughs> drop you a note when we uh, get your this into one of our shows. Okay, fantastic. All right, thanks, Mike. Thank you. No problem. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.